Hi, Amber. Hi, Megan. Hi, Laurel. Hi, Megan. Welcome to hi, Bad Amber. Movies Rock. <laughs> oh, hi. Oh, you, you, you didn't, even, you didn't even give her time I to greet me. I right? didn't. I, I'm sorry. This is on me. It really is. No, that's fine. It's fine. They, they don't need to greet me. I mean, they've already greeted you. So that's what's most important. Uh, let's just move mm-hmm. past this. Perfect. Excellent. Amber, we made a terrible, terrible mistake. Um, what would it be? 87 episodes again. Ago. Okay. Okay. I mean, to be fair, we thought we were doing a good thing. We got a request so to do I. a movie and we, we jumped on it. Mm-hmm. We did. Mm-hmm. That's true. It was so, yeah. So we made a terrible mistake kind of in a in a we were trying to be good we were trying to be responsive to our fan base but we what we did what we did is we recorded deep blue sea um without laurel here to comment on it and and today we're going to fix that mistake and and retcon it as i learned from the berenstein bears it's never too late to correct a mistake so that's what we're doing today yeah Exactly. I'm really excited. But I also did not think it was a mistake at the time. I was super excited <laughs> that you had just recorded an episode that I requested. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that it was a possibility for me to be on the podcast until the episode right before then. I think you actually had had guests. And then I was like, wait yes. a second. Hmm. It was Hobbs and Shaw. It was our mm-hmm. first guest mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But that's okay. As I said, it's never too late. And it's your 100th episode. Guys, happy hundredth, everybody! This is congratulations. Beautiful. This is a momentous occasion, so I'm just honored to be a part of it and be here. It's really great. I'm 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 glad you're here, mainly because after a hundred episodes, it's it's tough just talking to Megan. I mean, I I don't know how we're supposed to make it another hundred without just always having a guest. It. Yeah. You, yeah. You, and this was a problem actually I feel like in okay. episode 13 after we had our brothers on and we had guests for the first time yes. and I realized oh my gosh it's it having other people is amazing it's always Megan it's just it's always you <laughs> I'm sorry Amber I'm sorry that it's always me and that so many of our podcasts have been such a disappointment to you I'm not saying they've been a disappointment I'm just saying you know Bringing other people into the podcast kind of spices things up a little bit. <laughs> I see. So we're at that point in our podcast relationship that we feel like you feel like you need to bring other people in to make it interesting and fun and refigure, re, 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 re-examine the way we do things. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to keep things, to keep the relationship strong, you know? As long as we're both on the same page. Yeah, you guys are sustained. You're lasting. And you've hit that 100 episode mark that really does show that you are lasting. And so, you know, you, you've you shown that you have what it takes to sustain, right? We've got a strong foundation, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you're also are showing your flexibility in, in that you can just Amber is embrace very other flexible. people. Yeah, totally. I am extremely flexible. <laughs> <laughs> unnaturally flexible yeah, this is and fluidity crazy. and you know how these things go mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah oh, i'm so proud of us speaking 100. of fluidity because uh, you know water yes water is job. fluid mm-hmm. sharks live in water and go on <laughs> exactly oh we're, and we're we all on top to of use it. our eyes to see no <laughs> and i feel shame now this is what shame is like <laughs> Oh boy! All right, so we watched Deep Blue Sea again. We did. Obviously, um, 
just to kind of give us a, a, a an idea of what it was about, this is your your classic um, shark movie where um, in this one they're doing shark research to um, collect the proteins in a shark's brain to um, to help. This sounds uh, really uh, familiar. Let me think about this. Why do yeah. why does this sound familiar to me? Mm, oh to right, because you already did this. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> we've, um, we've already help- we've already done this. This is true, but I just want to give a a, a brief overview, Amber. But, but the you sharks did. take over. You gave a brief th- overview in 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 thirteen. It's it's all. So there. you want them to watch? Uh, so everyone has to go back then... and listen to episode thirteen. Okay, all right. So the they're sequel. doing that. That's no, fine. this is really interesting okay. because it's the first time you're doing a movie again, right? So this is kind of setting the mm-hmm. template for how it's going to work. Yeah. So and you're doing a work? really good job so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we are. Right. Doing a great job. <laughs> it's not at all awkward and, uh, and uh, i'm just grateful to be here it's and just a, a very we, clean flow i'm i'm glad we talked about this beforehand since we've <laughs> never done a movie a second time right i think it's i think it's really important that we in no way tried to establish some sort of different format or structure well to, what to would you like to do should we have this talk right now hmm yeah, no, let's have this talk. So I, I think giving the same kind of rundown doesn't make sense. I, th- I I would say if we were going to do a summary, th- probably the most important thing to do would be to ask Laurel for the summary. Oh, okay. Perfect. Uh, Laurel, and, and, maybe, and maybe we could okay. also ask Laurel, like, I mean, why are we doing it with her? Why is why is this her movie of choice? Like, what, what does it mean to her? That's a good, very so, good question. The year 2000, right? It was June of 2000. <laughs> yes, go on. Hold I on, I need, to, actually, I need to bring myself back there. <laughs> I did not actually watch this movie in 1999 in theaters when it came out. That was an oversight, right? But um, in June of 2000, I was actually a senior in high school. And I was 17. And I watched this movie with Megan at Megan's house. Um, and it was actually two nights before my senior prom. And so, of course, that was a really good night for Megan to cut my hair and dye it and watch Deep Blue Sea. Um, so that was my first introduction introduction into this movie. And the Kelly House was a place that I watched a lot of really, really fantastic movies like this one and got exposure that I otherwise wouldn't have gotten in my life because my parents are hippies who are kind of clueless about pop culture, right? <laughs> so um, had I not had the Kellys, exactly, had I not had the Kellys influence in my life, I would have also been a clueless hippie my whole life. Um, but it was because of them that I am not. And it's also because of them that I was introduced to my favorite movie in the world, which is Deep Blue Sea. This is the only movie that I just will watch and then rewind. And I say rewind because I had a cassette tape of this, like a VHS for a really long time where I would just rewind it and watch it again multiple times, multiple viewings. So that was um, the first time I watched Deep Blue Sea, but it was not the last as, as obviously I've, I've seen this movie so many times. And uh, what is, why do I love this movie so much? Like, why would you not? We just watched it. Right. And was it not incredible? <laughs> incredible. Like the performances in this movie are incredible. Ooh. Right. The mm-hmm. plot, right, um, is, you know, the themes oh, yeah. thematically, you know, it really is is quite deep, like the title um, mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of yes. man versus nature, playing God, you know, the people getting punished for these things. You know, it draws upon a lot of important source material as a shark movie. It has a lot of homages to Jaws, but also draws upon Jurassic Park. And in fact, some people have have claimed that Jurassic World steals a lot from this movie. 
because there are overlaps oh. as well. Um, yeah, but yeah, Deep Blue Sea is just, it, it's just an incredible cinematic masterpiece. And it's also, yeah, something that I was first exposed to from Megan. And so um, it has a lot of good memories for that as well. So it's just very fitting that I'm here for the 100th episode to redo this podcast and summarize Deep Blue Sea. But yeah, if you, if you haven't watched the movie, I don't know why you're listening. So I don't know why we would summarize it. Because yeah, it's Ooh. really just your loss. Gauntlet Ooh, thrown. Shots called. Yeah. <laughs> That's my deep right. story spiel. I love How'd it. I do? How'd I do? It was perfect. That was, that was beautiful. Perfect in I mean, way. I, yeah. I just watched the movie and now I feel like I didn't appreciate it enough, despite <laughs> having appreciated it previously. And while I was, I mean, I just, I, I am now, I, I find myself wanting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what's amazing is that I am not the only person in the world to love this movie. In fact, as I mentioned to you guys previously, I've been listening to a podcast that is dedicated to Deep Blue Sea in which they go just DVD chapter by DVD chapter for each episode um, to the next level of Deep Blue Sea-ness. So, you know, I'm not the only one. And and also, as you guys mentioned in your previous Deep Blue Sea episode, on its 20th anniversary, there were a lot of kind of reclamation articles. That's a lot. That, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And in fact, there have been some changes in the in the critics um, or in the user views, right? Yes, that's yeah, true. So maybe true. now would be a good time to talk about those. Okay, Excellent. just leading us right transition. into the critics' corner. I love it. <laughs> just, it just here we go. Agreed. I mean, the, the critical consensus has not shifted, mm. but the user consensus on, on Metacritic is is significantly different. So you know, you had fifty four from the critics the first time, but before. When we did this like a year ago? Yeah, uh, September of uh, 2019. Oh, Almost wow. Two. So even Almost longer. Two years ago. It was yeah. in the 30s. 30s. Yeah, it was for the 39. Users. Yeah. It's up to 6.3 right now. That's crazy. And similarly with uh, Rotten Tomatoes, before it was at a 38, and it has climbed its way up to a 39 in the audience score. <laughs> okay, so I, I feel like this is telling us something about the user groups on Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes and how kind of on top of things they are. I will say, how many ratings are for the audience in, in Metacritic? I think it's like 200 something, right? Yeah, it's over 200. It's um, 250,000 ratings Ooh. for Deep Blue Sea on okay. Rotten Tomatoes. So there's there's more people using Rotten Tomatoes. It's harder to bump that up, yeah. Yeah, swing the needle takes a lot more on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so so Metacritic might not be as used, but it's it's in some ways more relevant because it's more curated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. As I say, no, I'm, I'm looking at one of these ten reviews. It's just a string of gibberish. It's not words. <laughs> oh no, I saw that. Yes, Bonnie Higgy disrays and that's a ten. Yeah, ten. <laughs> they voted a ten. Yeah. Um, so. So, so Laurel mentioned the fact that there was a, um, there's another podcast out there doing Deep Blue Sea. Um, what is the name of that podcast? I don't know. Do we give them free advertisement? Well, I it's, mean, a, it's, it's about Deep Blue Sea. It's for so. a good cause. I think yeah. it's called Deep Blue Sea, the podcast. I think they didn't really like do any puns or anything. So, so I mean, some might say it was their podcast, but some might also say it might be our podcast that mm-hmm. has kind of lifted Deep Blue Sea. Um some might also say it was a 20th anniversary over a year ago and people watched it some more. Who knows? I think it's mostly us. It could be a beautiful combination. 
Exactly. It's it's like dominoes, you know? Mm-hmm. We we knocked over the first one and then somehow somebody else was inspired probably by us to do a deep boosy podcast. I'm just I am just saying we can't disprove it. Yeah, you cannot. That's true. I'm just I'm just through I'm just asking questions, Megan. Um Amber, uh from the New Yorker, they call this movie scary, absurd and inessential. Inessential. What movie is essential? Uh, aside from, you know, one that's supposed to be like a seminal work of film art or a massive social commentary. How many movies are actually seminal? I, I hate that word, but this this like movie is essential in terms of shark movies for multiple reasons, right? Mm-hmm. So I read a great review of it by a shark scientist. I forget their yes, actual please. title, but in my mind, that's what they are. Um, Sharkologist, yes. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. probably sharkology is their field of study. Um that is say, really says that this this shark movie is the best shark movie because most shark movies really demonize the role of the shark and um, make the shark into the bad guy and also how sharks act in ways that they don't in real life, right? So they make people afraid of sharks and hate sharks because um, they, they just like randomly attack people and they're very aggressive, which is not the case of sharks, right? We know that in real life, as this movie tells us, sharks don't like the taste of people. Right. And so they mostly just avoid us, you know, and any shark attacks are kind of just mishaps or they're not sure what they're doing or, or um, kind of um, either mishaps or, you know, they're just curious and kind of trying to taste test things out because sharks, when they do want to attack you, they will demolish you because um, they yes. can do that. Right. <laughs> the way they do with seals. And <laughs> um, yes. And mostly when sharks attack people, they don't do that because they're not actually trying to, like, kill and eat. They're just like they're sharks, just like you know, kind of smell chunky. with, or they, yeah, they're like teeth are their best way to sense things. So they just like take a little they're bite like just to puppies. see like, exactly. They're puppies just t- like a little nip. Wor- yeah. A little nip. And is it their the fault world. if like a nip is a limb, you know? It's um, not their fault. It's not. It's they not. just have big no, teeth. I mean, in some ways that's nature's fault. Exactly. You know, they made, they made the shark that way. And, and now it has, it's just, it has its mouth. It's a mouthy creature and, and, and we're tiny. Right. But um, in this movie, that's not the case because the sharks are genetically engineered to be super smart. And that's why they become murderous. But really, they're not even murderous. They have a plan um, because they're super smart. Right. And that's all they're really trying to do is bring down the entire sea station so that they can escape. freedom. They really just just want want liberation. Right. Yeah. But then what do they want after that liberation because one of them is free in the beginning of the movie and what is the first damn thing it does <laughs> no it's, but- tes- it's testing things out amber exactly it, so this- it, it's got to see what it can do it's got to see what's out there for food it's got to see what the the humans how much they can track it they, they it really just it's an experimental mission it, it's not necessarily attacking those poor people those poor teenagers on that catamaran it's just kind of tasting the world chomp by chomp okay yeah no this yeah. is an important theory that this the sharks are so smart that the parts in the movie that don't make sense actually do when you realize how smart the sharks are right so that first initial scene which you could count as an homage to other shark movies but also seems kind of totally quite different from the rest of the movie it's actually because the sharks are just trying to test out whether the humans from the station will be able to track them um, if they do escape Right. And that's why also, yeah, when they get shot by the harpoon, 
they just like kind of give up really quickly. Yeah. They also want to see if they leave, are they going to be able to, is the ocean an okay temperature for them? Are they going to be able to find food out there on their own? Or do they need the humans to feed them as the humans have been doing? It's, it's all experimental. Mm -hmm. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Okay. So this just blew my mind. Yes. This just blew my mind. Okay. So beginning of the movie, you think the sharks just want to kill people. They're murderous monsters, but Laurel's right. This is 100% not really what's happening here. And they are pretty reliable. Like uh, Thomas Jane's character is, is pretty reliable. Like, oh, no, sharks don't do that. They tr- want to eat seals. They don't. He's he's chill with them. He gets there. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just said a lot of nothing. But let me get my thought out. That shark got out. And then experimentally determined whether or not they could track it. And when it realized they could, it gave up. It went back home. Which means that it was just a scout. The other sharks were like, okay, we know how to get out of here, but will we really be free if we do? And it turns Mm -hmm. out, no, they learned that. So rather than all escaping, like they already knew how to at the beginning of the movie, they knew the only true way to accomplish freedom was to destroy the station and kill everyone in it. Right. Because it was the only way they wouldn't be tracked. So technically... Hurting them all around and mur- picking them off one by one wasn't just like evil shark behavior. It was the only way to accomplish the goal that Tom Jane eventually True figures freedom. out. Like, what does a Mako shark with a giant brain dream of? Freedom. Which it Deep wouldn't sea. have had if it just escaped because we learned that at the beginning of the movie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. You see how brilliant both this it's movie brilliant. and the sharks are. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Okay, now, I, I mean, not not to say that it's not an amazing achievement to do a podcast chapter by chapter on Deep Blue Sea, but I am now understanding the true layers that exist in this movie <laughs> and why that podcast is necessary. And what we're doing is just a beautiful hack job. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I would, I would also argue, my, my guess is that the two Gen 1s could get out on their own, but their baby, the Gen 2, might be too big to jump the fence. And so, like, it was a combo... Thing, that they needed to get rid of the people yeah. so they couldn't be tracked and that the gen 2 needed the whole thing to be brought down at least somewhat so th- it could escape interesting also reasonable that's, that's so the humans the humans killed them they doomed themselves by being too good at track tom jane doomed them yeah because yeah. he was able to track them yeah oh wow so while everybody's in the wrong except for lo cool j Except LL Cool J in some ways is in the wrong because he does demonize the sharks. He's the he, one that demonizes he them. He literally, literally demonizes them. <laughs> calls them mm-hmm. demon fish. It's true. It's true. Yeah. And stabs them with a cross. Yeah. Yes. In the eyeball. In the eye. Yeah, it is kind of sad that the sharks die in the end because they are the real protagonists. <sighs> wow. Yeah. That's the worst but, part of the movie. Know, we are like, this is a movie from the human perspective. So like... We don't want them getting out there and creating genetically intelligent I mean, yeah, I shark think babies. The other theme is we shouldn't we shouldn't have messed with nature the way that we did, right? True. And so, and also, like, if you have sh- smart sharks, like smart sharks would actually, you know, stay away from people as much as fucking po- as much think. as sharkingly possible. Oh yeah, they would know better than anyone that if you start messing with humans, shit just gets complicated and annoying. Yeah, go live in the wide, wide ocean. Or do you get just 
amazingly effective eco-terrorists. <gasps> oh, I like where you're going with this. And like, I, I say eco-terrorism in the sense of like, they murder and kill for the sake of ocean help. Yeah, like, to protect, us. exactly. Like, and really the world, because the ocean is the world, yeah. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. ocean is, oh my God, did they rob us of of a beautiful squad of, of sharks that would have saved us from ourselves? Avenger-like sharks, yeah. Could, have been. could you imagine this? Whaling yeah. would probably go like right out the door very quickly mm-hmm. after the first few clever girl whaling expeditions mm-hmm. moments. Mm-hmm. You know, with one shark comes in from the left and then 20 sharks just like jump on the boat and then eat everybody yeah. and sink the and ship. Over, and over pilot fishing. the boat into a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Overfishing would be solved. Yep, yep. The, um. first, the first group to overfish, they'd mm-hmm. be gone because that's also the shark's food okay that's just necessary they would they would be smart enough to understand that we are desperately jeopardizing they would probably also solve the plastic problem they would figure it out i bet yeah the only thing that i still would worry about would be like carbon emissions how are they going to Mm. but you know they're smarter than me so they would figure it out probably they would figure it out it would take them a little they need to fully understand i mean they're just getting a taste of the world yeah but they would notice that the the oceans are warming and things are melting and they'd be like yeah they they come up with a better solution i am slightly worried that they are voracious eaters they don't seem to be you know they they just eaten a whole shark in the very beginning and then they end up eating some of the humans too and yeah and mako sharks do need to eat a lot and i would also say you know waste not want not i mean i feel like that's conservation in action there was there was one dude that they didn't eat but the rest of them if they're gonna have to take them out anyway why not eat them like that's that would just be wasted meat you make a very good point they're smarter than us Mm -hmm. and they've been swimming around a lot like they they had to put in a lot of energy and effort to sink that station Mm-hmm. They needed the protein. This movie also has just some incredible death scenes um, that makes me love it so much. Um, not just one. When you think of like all the different shark deaths, they're all just. I'm, so, of course, in the last podcast, you talked about Samuel Jackson's um, death, but it, it really does go down as, as one of the best death scenes ever. Yep. It, it is. It comes about a third through the movie, and he's giving this like heroic speech about how he probably was a cannibal in the Alps many years it ago. It might be. It might be. Definitely a murderer. At the very least, kind. a murderer. Yeah. At the very least, a murderer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, but kind of inspiring them and they're all kind of getting inspired. And then all of a sudden, the shark jumps through the pool, through the hatch and just devours him. And that's how we feel about that speech. It's great. Yep. The first time you watch it, it, it is jaw-dropping because it's samuel l jackson and your whole brain says he's the hero of the movie yeah and uh so i just watched this movie not with you guys but earlier this week as well my friend liz who had never seen it before why and she was about to go to bed and i was like no 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 (laughs) just wait for the scene (laughs) just wait please and then you can go to bed and she did and then she was like yes this is the best movie ever Mm -hmm. Um, did she like thank you yeah no did she she finish it no, no, she still went she to bed, but she, but she immediately realized it's brilliant she because of that scene. She's like, oh my God, yes. Because um, even true. before that happened, even before he got eaten, she was kind of enjoying, the, you know, just the Samuel Jackson speech, as you might, right? And I was like, yeah, this is the best, right? And she's like, yeah, I guess this is fun. Ha ha, no. And then <laughs> he's devoured. 
Also, Megan and I both know that Mako sharks are really good at jumping. That's true. And so they chose those sharks because they're excellent at jumping out of the water. So it's a true story that this happened, or completely plausible at least. Excellent use of, of sharkology science. I mean, it's they, they are not screwing around with their employing a true and deep knowledge of sharks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus their body to brain ratio is is one of the like largest brains to bodies. So that's probably also why they chose Mako sharks. So the science in this and movie they say is that. just on point. Yeah. It's a, yeah. a plus for science. <laughs> it really does get an A plus for science. Unlike some other movies that we've watched, Deep Blue Sea. High marks for science. High marks. Except and for a couple of things. Except for a bunch of stuff. But, you know, besides for, that. Aside from the shark part of science, they, they, there were they, a lot of problems. Yes, they, they, they consulted a sharkologist, but they didn't consult anybody else. <laughs> like developmental biologist, uh, neuroscientist. Okay, so Megan, as a, as a scientist who, yes, who has in the, in the past harvested things from living creatures for the sake sure. of advancing our, our knowledge on important stuff, do you get all of the thing you need <laughs> from one animal? <laughs> no. But no, but wait, have but a... wait. Oh, what if okay. It's, Sorry. Please. What if it's a genetically enhanced, really large animal? Couldn't you then? <laughs> Can no? you just make it... I mean, get... Do you have to get it all from one animal, I guess? Do you have to make like a bus-sized mouse in order to harvest the right (laughs) amount of something from one animal? I'm pretty sure that's how it works. It's a chicken and the egg, right? Yeah, it's a chicken and the egg, right? Like, do you need a bus-sized mouse or do you need, you know, a thousand mice? It's it's like, do do you make the shark big to get it all in one dose? Or do you have, you know, a bunch of sharks and get like tiny little doses of things? Oh, I mean, it's hard to say, Amber. Plus, they so, needed but, like but, a lot of the protein to make it work, right? And by work, it's just dropping one one bit of protein onto something else, and then it works. And right? and apparently, it has like a a a, a <laughs> an organ that just has this protein in it in yep. its brain that you can just it's, pure just suck it out kind of and stuck then, it through a straw, a really long straw. Yeah, absolutely. And in science, <laughs> we just put shit from one animal in onto another animal and see what happens. And then it cures things, right? And then yeah. you s- tell neurons are working by electrical um, lightning storms, lightning in a bottle, if you will. That's yeah. You can and- <laughs> like if I looked at my brain, it would look like one of those Van de Graaff generators, right? It's like, yes, <laughs> and they definitely had like a lump of brain. And what you would need would be like a slide and like a like a culture that no, was no, like a, a single lump. layer. But this lump. was no, a I can lump see of brain through that they the were lump. I can see through in- <laughs> it's inside. That's how imaging works. That's how that's screen, how animal so. juice works. That's how juicy <laughs> things works. A plus for science. It's amazing. And most importantly, <laughs> you pull pure protein out of a part of a shark's brain because apparently it just has a protein reservoir in its brain. We all know it that's does. what our brains do. They create reservoirs yeah. of goo that is just of one protein. Thing. Yeah, I have my one. I have a whole bunch of protein reservoirs. All yeah, actually, I have no idea. That could be real. <laughs> it's not fair uh-huh. <laughs> and the, the important thing to do is to just immediately it has to be fresh i assume it has still there, immediately... yes. mm-hmm. yeah. from, the brain, one, one has to be fresh you take it out of the shark still there yes yeah from straight from the brain one one brain from the tap one brain one single brain otherwise Protein. you get it's like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and i'm assuming this lump of brain that they had 
they must have also harvested freshly from something because it had to have still been alive in order for the neurons. Oh, or, or did they just take from like dead brain tissue? Yeah, they just took some, I mean, that that's a very good question, Amber. Or like, where did they get this lump of brain, presumably from someone with Alzheimer's? Or did they actually like culture tissue into a... I don't know. I see. Yeah. Mm, yep. I have, uh, I have you know so what, many questions about the science part of this research movie. The thing is, the science is probably smarter than me, and so it's just above <laughs> what I can think about. I have to think. That must be I answer. think with the sharks, that is true. I think with anything to do with the people, we're, we're at level or higher. <laughs> <laughs> at level or above. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm yeah, not concerned yeah. about that. I, I am positive those sharks are smarter than me, and more importantly, are using an alien intelligence that I could not possibly conceive of. Like, I, <laughs> whatever, I get it. They they could yeah. they could swim circles around me and given enough time probably run circles backwards. around me. We would have land sharks very quickly and they would be mm. going backwards. Exactly. I will also this is this is neither here nor there, but everybody's wearing their science coats in that in that like science scene. <laughs> I have uh, something to tell you. Um, scientists only wear those coats when it's inspection time and they're coming through and making sure that you're wearing your coats. You have a little closet that has them, and unless you're doing something very particular that you shouldn't get on yourself. The coats stay in that closet, and you break them out when you're getting inspected. Well, there was an inspector there. Good point. In, it's, in, but Sam I don't Jackson know if he would care about like a, that. I don't he think was, he but yeah. He's just an investor. Uh, no, but you, but you go like, to impress your investor, and your investor yeah, inspects yeah. science coats. Yeah, yeah, you make a good point. All right, I'm into it again. My The one flaw in this the movie tracks. has been solved for me. Thank okay. you. Good. Oh, wait, but it wasn't solved by the sharks are smarter? The two problem, uh, okay. potential problems with this movie have been solved for me. <laughs> the genius of the shark and mm-hmm. no, the but other the... side of it. No, no, you go. I was I was about oh. to change change course a little bit. I was just going to say the other thing that does get solved by the sharks are smarter thing is the whole um, part when Dr. Susan McAllister like, goes back to her room to get the science, you know, the documentation or whatever. To get the science. <laughs> yeah. So in the theory that the sharks are super, super smart. In the beginning of the movie, when she's, like, doing her scientific analysis in her room, she, like, sees something out of her window, and and it's, like, a motion or something, implying that somebody was watching her, like the sharks. So they actually saw that she was in her room doing the science, and they knew that her research was there, and they knew that she would go back for it, and they couldn't have that because they didn't want her to have the research to be able to control them once they were liberated. So they had to wait for her and destroy all of that. Yeah. Hence why oh. they waited in her room for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they even knew exactly what the procedure was going to be because you could. she was doing it on a model in her room, mm-hmm. wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She yeah. was, yeah. So they knew what to anticipate. Oh, my gosh. And, and oh, yeah, wow. that goes with the theory that the shark was, like, faking being asleep when really. Yes, that, that's a, yeah, that occurred to me while we were watching as well. Like, was that shark... So when they do the science, the, the science on the shark to remove the protein out of the mm-hmm, protein mm-hmm. gland in the bro- shark's brain, yep, yeah, yeah, all the good, good with science. the straw, yep. um, <laughs> that the shark is just like chilling um, rather than actually uh, uh, asleep. Because they did say when when Thomas Jane went to get the shark in the very beginning of the movie that had escaped, he said that he'd hit it with two of these paralyzing uh, uh, tranquilizers and it hadn't even slowed it down. So these these sharks are... You know how when you're really smart and so you can decide not to be tranquilized? 
That's what was happening. Well, maybe they were even just like running the experiment of how much tranquilizer it would take to put them down. So like maybe after the first two, it was like, I could mm-hmm, still move, mm-hmm. but I'm going to pretend I can't. Oh, clever yep. girl. So that when they smart. dose our little girl, we will, she'll, oh my gosh. Sorry. Uh-huh. I, to, uh-huh. I, need, I need a moment to just, wow. It's, they're so smart. They are. I'm sad they died, especially because they would have solved global warming. Especially I with think the- they would have. And it's possible that their solution would have been responding to human overpopulation. And I can't say that they're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. At least we know they wouldn't go to waste. No, it's true. Ecoterrorism is like the only terrorism I can get behind. As long as it works, I don't know if I disagree. Like if it's effective, maybe. No, I mean, I read, okay, this is off topic, but I read this um, science fiction book, Ministry for the Future. And it kind of did convince me that eco-terrorism is the way to go. Um, and in it, they definitely shoot down like passenger planes so that people just don't fly anymore. And I was like, I fly a lot. And, you know, if I got shot down for that purpose, that would be fair. It seems That seems fair. I mean, you're, you're really owning it, Laura. I feel like if you're willing to die for the eco-terrorism to be... But not stop flying. <laughs> <laughs> Until they, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, you're like, living a truth. Person. Yeah, you were you were definitely living a truth. It's 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 like the realization that I I need to still fly. Like this is just how the world works. But if people were to take it to the point of, well, I'm going to start shooting these down because we need to stop flying. If somebody takes it that hard line, it you have that kind of self realization of, okay, that's fair. That's, fair. <laughs> that's right yeah. for the good yep. of the world. That's that's what should happen. Yep. I'm not saying I want to be the one to die for overpopulation, <laughs> but I accept that there are too many of us. Like that's. Oh dear, oh dear! <laughs> it's like we were watching in in Harley Quinn, Amber, where um, uh, Poison Ivy is um, uh, identifies as an eco terrorist, and mm-hmm. um, all she really wants to do is you know save the plants, save the save Mother Nature, and that's what the sharks want to do too. Mm-hmm. Besides, be free. Yes, and, and if they if they've gamed it out, like if if they've gamed it out and it will work, who am I to say boo about it? They're yeah. smarter than me. I am willing to fall under the harsh dominion of super sharks. That is what I have <laughs> learned in this podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they can run things and I'm, I'm fine. I will fall in line. Because mm-hmm. we're not doing a great job. So in this movie, they also had Sharkovision, um, <clears throat> where they would show you what the shark was actually seeing, um, which was nice. It was it, like this is another kind of, um, you're trying to empathize with the shark, so you're showing the things from the shark's perspective, and you can see the sharks puzzling out, like, oh, I need to go through here, and oh, you know, um, I can see that they went through this door, and now I'm going to bust through a three-inch steel door. I mean, sharkovision. It's it's really nice to get the perspective of the shark. Mm-hmm. We saw it when uh, it was trying to get to L. Cool J through the, through the oven. You got a little <laughs> sharkovision from there. Mm-hmm. And when it goes into the first floor... Actually, to get to Saffron Burrows before to get to our research, we see it going to through there. To get to our science. Yep. yep. To our science. We saw, right. we saw mm-hmm. from the perspective of the of the sharks before they died. That's almost, yeah. they, they, it's almost like they want us mm. to identify with them before they that's kill them I'm so saying. we can feel the tragedy mm-hmm. of this loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what they're saying. That, that like, yeah. why don't you take a, take a step in the shark's shoes with sharkovision? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shark's mm-hmm. fins? Hmm. Is their hat like a shark's fin? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm. Take a step in the shark's Mm. hat. 
Yeah, but I also appreciate how much sharks are in this movie. And that was intentional by the director. He just really wanted to have like all the sharks all the time and show the sharks both CGI and they had the animatronic sharks and they had real sharks sometimes. But yeah, there is a lot of sharkage going on. Yeah, so this is... Yeah, so it was a Rennie Harlan movie, and yeah, he has he has lots of lots of like you said homages to to Jaws, but like uh-huh. unlike Jaws, <laughs> he wants the sharks actually, you know, in this front and center all the time. Yeah, and I still think they look kind of good for the time that it was. Yeah, for ninety nine, I agree, and I, I think a lot of the articles actually said these are good effects for mm-hmm. this time. Like the CGI is, mm, but at 99 wasn't that bad. And then using the animatronic sharks, they look really good. So yeah, the animatronic holds up like very well. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. I, I feel like that kind of combines really well with the idea that while the sharks are terrifying, it's not, the sharks are not demonized the way that Jaws is demonized and the way they often are in other shows, like you said. Mm-hmm. And by making them so present and prevalent in the movie and, and so intentional, like they're sentient, they have, they're making choices, they want something. It's not the sharks themselves that are terrifying so much as us not understanding what they want that's terrifying. Or even the fact that sharks are capable of wanting a thing and acting with intention is terrifying. It's, it's that kind of alien terror of, you know, when there's an invasion, there's that question in your mind of what, what, what do they want? They're probably smarter than us. And can we possibly even conceive of what it is they're trying to do to us right now? Like we're just trapped reacting in a world we no longer understand. So it's more of an existential dread than it is just fear of demon angry shark monster. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like that. I like the idea that it it's, what are they doing? What do they want? Where are they going to be? I don't know. Can they do this? I don't know. Who sunk the shub? I don't know. It wasn't an explosion. It was probably the sharks. Well, why would they do that? I don't. No! (laughs) And I like that kind of hand-wringing, running around at the mercy of an intelligence greater than yours, and that intelligence is an animal that you did this to. That's that's impressive for a horror concept. I like that. I would also, I would add to that, Amber, that I think that, um, I think it's very intentional that the two sharks that die first are the two gen ones they call them gen you know two gen ones and a gen two but really what they're saying is they've got a mom and a dad and a baby shark and so like i think that the parent sharks sacrifice themselves they do the harder stuff they do the stuff inside the lab to take it down in order for their child to escape into a a a brand new world i don't disagree with you I, I really don't. I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you said that the Gen ones could have escaped at any time, but both knew that they wouldn't be completely free and they didn't believe that their, their, their daughter would be able to jump the fence. And they're the ones that do the interior work, again, possibly because of their size. Right. But who's mm-hmm. lying in wait? A Gen 1. Who goes into the facility to start flooding the levels and taking people out? A Gen 1. Like, it's you're yeah. right. Like, they're doing the deadly work and so, to yeah. give their daughter a chance. Yep. That's beautiful. It's That's a beautiful selfless. Story. Freedom. Yeah. And and so much more interesting than everyone else's motivations. I while her motivations to cure Alzheimer's are noble, the way she goes about it is super not. And and what she's willing to sacrifice is super not. And and you know, Samuel Jackson apparently is interested in it for money. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of what she throws in his face of like, give me forty eight hours and I'll send your stock prices soaring. Right. 
the fact that the shark's motivation is freedom, let's get our kid out of here, being so alien to people who are motivated by more selfish or more idealistic reasons that they think means to an end justifies situation. The idea that the the alien shark intelligence is more noble (laughs) than any of the motivations of any of the actual characters. Yeah. And so you see how deep this movie really is. So deep, man. I'm tripping on this movie right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And I would say... Okay, so you know how I joked about the fact that the sharks intentionally took out Brenda first while we were watching Mm -hmm. this because Brenda is the best of them and would have organized them, motivated them with music. She would have, she, this wouldn't have been a problem if Brenda had lived. So Brenda was the first to go. Mm -hmm. Like, Stellan was a means to an end. His character was used as the fulcrum to run the helicopter into Brenda, and then he was used ballistically to, to knock out the bottom of the lab. Yep. I also think that they killed Brenda first with an explosion as kind of a mercy because I think they might have respected her. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's quick. She didn't see it coming, you know. It, she didn't have she to didn't run get eaten. from sharks. Yeah. There's there's something about getting eaten that is a little rough. Mm-hmm. Just a little rough. Like when the limbs are still twitching after you've been severed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, Just, yes, like Michael Rappaport. <laughs> yep. Or when they when it grabs Samuel Jackson, and then the other one comes along and then rips off his head. Uh, yes, yeah. and you see mm-hmm. the body being torn apart. Yeah, uh, the carnage in this movie is incredible, incredible. Yeah, there's a yes, it it is it does not hold back. Mm-hmm. Nope. But Brenda, 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 pretty died like just boom, just mm-hmm. explosion. She didn't have to see her friends die right. and deal with that sadness. She loved I think them. That she was cared a about them. Very respectful death on their part. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. 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 Sharks are humane as fuck. <laughs> yes, Except to Stellan. Does. They really hated Stellan. The way he was treated makes mm-hmm. me think he did some really twisted shit in the lab to them. Like things yeah. he, like he probably need to did. Do. Right? The way he was played, Stellan Starsgard, who plays like one of the doctors, uh, yeah, just Jim. Yeah, seems like a total dick like he's he's smoking inside mm-hmm. he's like he's probably pissing the one the who wind. broke the, i love yeah, that part when he's pissing in the wind <laughs> like, how smart can he be he's pissing into the wind <laughs> yep but that's just a metaphor for the whole movie right is that we think yeah. we're smart but really going against nature it's never gonna work he was the probably the one who broke the broke the harvard Compact, conclave yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's probably the one who convinced her who cares fuck it you know yeah, I, I think yeah. I think he was up because he's the only one they don't eat. They they mm-hmm. essentially toy with him. He's under yeah. like, it, and then his body is just left to rot for Tom Jane to find. By far the worst death because mm-hmm. you know being dismembered is rough, but it's really fast, right? It's fast. You would think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. And, and although and sometimes dis- when you're in their mouth, like Jen, Jen was pretty rough, but I think not nearly Jen as rough. Was rough yeah, as yeah. still in Skarsgård because yeah, he was alive for so long. It was so long. It was terrifying. Yeah. Jan was also married to Stellan Skarsgård, so maybe she he, they felt like she was kind of responsible. Like she should have held him to a higher standard, and she didn't. So she she paid a little bit for his like crimes. specific punishment as well. That means of death. Uh, it may have been. Yeah. yeah. Pettiness in those sharks. They're a little pissed. Sometimes righteous people, righteous anger, yeah. Is real. Raised in captivity, experiments are doing being done to you. 
I mean, that yeah. talk about a rough childhood. And one of the doctors experimenting on you is probably a little bit rapey. I, I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. Sure. Wouldn't care. Yeah. With his science. Mm-hmm. Can you be scientifically rapey, Megan? I'm not sure. That's a that's it's an upsetting question, Ember. <laughs> that was its intent. <laughs> Perfect. You did it. Certain power dynamics and consent, definitely it could be. Right? I feel mm-hmm. like there's kind of an inherent rapiness to science. I mean, there's the, there's a power dynamic that, like, yeah, you're you don't like if you're a lab rat, you don't have control over your body or where you live or what you eat or what happens to you. Yeah, when you die, a... what gets stuck inside of you? What gets pulled out of you? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Science is twisted. Science now that you think is... about it, like even yeah, them inserting the thing into someone the shark's brain and pulling out things that's that's kind of rapey. Yeah. Uh, okay. So anyway, yeah, okay. Hey. Um, sharks are really Why? smart. Poor Brenda. Um, <laughs> did you know, uh, Rennie Harland, uh, <laughs> when, uh, when they, um, were getting a parrot to play the bird, who's, uh, LL Cool J's, um, companion, um, he said about it, we couldn't afford a Hollywood parrot. <laughs> so they ended up getting, um, cause the budget was so small. So they got, ended up getting two parrots, one that was good at flying and one that was good at sitting on his shoulder or sitting, kind of sitting still. It works. But we discussed also while watching this movie that, if the sharks are the, the real protagonists, then El Cool J is definitely um, the anti-hero um, of this movie. His role is really incredible. It's true. He survives uh, against immeasurably unlikely odds mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and saves them twice. Yeah, he's he kills the first and the, and the third shark. Mm-hmm. The first one with a hatchet and a lighter after having no idea what's going on. And also he's the cook. So he's... He's busy chefing. He doesn't have shark science. He doesn't have shark wrangling on his side. He just suddenly is confronted with water in his kitchen and a giant shark that wants to eat him. He's trying to save his bird, whose name is yeah. Bird. Yeah. <laughs> Who gets eaten. He gets eaten. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You're really right. Mad. You're absolutely right. And both both times he kills, he, it's kind of a, a, a vengeful death, right? First yeah. for Bird. And, and then first. he really did like Scoggins. Yeah. My um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like oh, so, and he says in the end, "This is for this is for you, Scox. Which they do make you feel very protective of Scoggins because he's so afraid, and he's he's just all about the science. Like you just, you, I'm I'm sorry this happened to you. How did you get wrapped up in this, Scoggins? Yeah, he's kind of dopey. He's just but like an engineer, right? He's not yeah. like a yep. biologist or anything. Yeah, right. But he's a very good engineer. Yeah." Mm-hmm. And it's the only thing that calms him down is if you talk about the the, the weight-bearing load of the facility. <laughs> yeah, his death did hurt. It did hurt until his legs were spasming, and then I loved that. So. <laughs> until he becomes twitching meat. And then I'm like, ah, I mean, Scoggins is gone. I can enjoy this. Right? I mean, he was <laughs> dead. He's not going to bring him back. It's <laughs> <Mm-mm>, not. <laughs> oh, dear. Yep. I do enjoy how, like... This movie takes you on a journey around the facility. Like, and they keep pointing to a map in the facility mm-hmm. so you can kind of see where they're going. And um, I do like how the sharks are just, they're, they've always got a solution, like, to where they're going to, you know, where mm-hmm. do we herd them next? Where do we put them next to, to, to sink more of this facility? And yeah, it's like they knew the map of the facility better. 
But I do also appreciate in the beginning of the movie that they tell us, like, when Jan is giving the tour to Samuel Jackson, she actually tells us, like, which level is which and, like, what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's helpful for, yep. like... Well, when you've watched this movie as many times as I have, then it's very helpful <laughs> to get a clear sense of the... Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you are an insanely intelligent creature stuck in a prison and the only thing you have to do is swim around it and learn every single detail about it, mm-hmm. I believe that those sharks understood everything. Yep. Oh, for sure. And you have electroreceptors that can kind of like, you know... Um, really see Read. kind of an x-ray of the f- of the facility so you kind of mm-hmm. get an idea and read the hormones of the people was that another theory <laughs> one of the, so one of the theories was that um uh, kind of like brenda you know brenda is you know they took brenda out because she was um inspirational and would have got them all through this she had the radio she had the love um um she had the parties yeah exactly she, she had the music music is very yeah. important Mm-hmm. Is it Ada Turturro plays her? Um, she's fantastic. Anyway, um, that it was no uh, it was no happenstance or coincidence that Samuel L. Jackson was murdered uh, halfway through his um, speech. What the sharks were actually reading through the hormones and through maybe reading the heartbeats of the humans that were listening to Samuel L. Jackson's inspiring speech is they actually the sharks know so much about humans and human culture that they know that an inspiring leader will really um, cause trouble for them. So in reading the, the kind of the, the, the calming pheromones that are being released and, and, the, and the lowering heartbeats as these people are all listening to Sam Jackson, they're like, oh, no, 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 this cannot abide. We have to get him. And that's why they, they eat him mid-speech to kind of really bring down morale to an all-time low. Which they really did, because right after he died, they all just panic. They all, yeah. And open up the thing that sinks the whole place. Yeah, they open up the thing that sinks the whole place. Yeah. It's it's like, oh, fuck, we can't have them thinking clearly. This guy has to go. (laughs) We need them panic reacting now. Yeah. Yeah. They imply that the sharks took down that, um, what was it, a water... um, the wa- the underwater like bubble submarine thing that they had submarine yeah. yeah 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 which I'm not sure how they did that but they did well they, <laughs> they jumped did. just like they jumped for Samuel Jackson I think they jumped oh up they jumped and up sabotaged out. it yeah out wow. of the... yeah okay yeah yeah it was right above that pool yeah mm-hmm. no you're right mm-hmm. you're right and we saw that they can jump like that yeah and we know that Mako jumps can shark can jump what was it like thirty feet out of the water thirty feet yep yeah. And that's just regular Mako sharks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they can push with two tons of force, apparently. Mm-hmm. If they want in, they're getting in. These sharks are incredible. So says Tom Jane. So shark wrangler. Tom Jane. <laughs> All right. So bringing this in, what would you folks rate this on the rock scale? Regrettable, outstanding, craze bowls, or K? I'll, I'll turn to our, our guest first. Laurel? Yeah. Well, I think in the previous podcast, you both rated this as craze balls. We but did. Yes. I'm gonna go for me. This is outstanding. It's just an outstanding movie all around. Um, it's an outstanding shark movie. As I discussed before, its portrayal of sharks is, is quite nuanced and different from m- most shark movies. Um, but then it also has the the antihero narrative going on as well. It's just an outstanding film with some great performances, also with some okay performances. But it's my favorite movie, so that's what I'm going with. Amber, feelings? I mean, having having 
had this this much time uh, to again analyze it, uh, look at it with some fresh eyes, and, and more importantly, look at it with a true connoisseur of the movie and the genre. I, I have to add outstanding to my craze balls. Like I'm I'm going to co. Like, they have to be united for me because it is truly outstanding, but it is also ridiculously craze balls with the explosions and the deaths and just the the the, the rampant silliness in some moments. LL Cool J's character while adding comic relief and not dying simultaneously. I mean, making that, if you find this, I'm about to die, what's going to be my legacy? How about the perfect omelet? Like, it's... It's it's my favorite moment of the movie. Yeah. Yep. Yes. The Craze Balls moments feed into its outstanding character, but its outstanding character is definitely just bedrock in, oh, these sharks are smart, and they kind of earn it with the story that they tell with them. You are 100% right. It's it's an outstanding Craze Balls movie. Yeah. I, I, I have shifted in that direction as well. I would I would absolutely call this outstanding craze balls for sure. And it's so rewatchable. It really does hold up. You've watched it twice this week, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two times. <laughs> and each time it gets better. <laughs> Megan. Do you have an Abby story? Yes, I do. Um well, this this actually brings it to um to talking about C because um, uh, Abby and I were talking about um, uh, she was asking what uh an ocean meant. No, she knew what an ocean meant. She was asking what C meant. Um, and I said, well, you know, the C is kind of very similar to the ocean. You're talking about kind of these big bodies of water, and she's like, oh, so it's a synonym. And I said. You're completely right. It's a synonym. Good job. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> Whatever. For that your baby own. just schooled you. That baby just schooled you. Yeah. Why didn't you just say synonym, Auntie Maggie? Why are you wasting my time with all these unnecessary <laughs> words? Just get efficient with your diction. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then I started talking to her about homonyms. So, you know, that oh, one was a oh, little C harder for her C. to understand. So we'll, we'll get to there. Yeah, C and C. Exactly. I use C and C. And I think that was a little hard for her. But, you know, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, Let's see. Laurel, do you have a recommendation? I do. Um, so when I was delayed in um, San Francisco airport, as I fly too much, um. I finished watching uh, Ted Lasso, which is an excellent show. It's available on Apple Plus. Lots of people have subscriptions too for free because if you buy like an Apple something, you get a free year. Um, but yeah, it's just um, it's all about a, a, an American football coach who goes to the UK and coaches a British football or AKA soccer, we would call it, um, team um, in the Premier League. And so there's all kinds of fun culture clashes, but it's also super heartwarming and um, sweet at the same time. So highly recommend Ted Lasso. Excellent. Yeah. Um, Dan has also been uh, recommending that too. So he's, he's yeah, right, right behind you, Lauren. Nice. Believe. Amber, I would like to, I, I, I don't really have a recommendation more. I have a Amber got it right. Excellent. Excellent. I, I do need to have my do recorded and shared with other people. Please tell me, Megan, how was I amazing for you today? Mm-hmm. Good question, Amber. <laughs> um, Streets of Rogue. It is a, a video game. It is uh, kind of one of those uh, made as a like 8-bit old school video game um, that 
you can play as different types of characters, say a doctor or a thief or a um, gorilla or a werewolf if you open up those characters. And then with those characters, you have special abilities and you have little tasks that you're supposed to do. Um, but um, it, it's kind of a it's a simple game and yet not simple at all once you get into it. Um, and then it's super fun to play with your friends and you can um, all be zombies and turn the entire levels into zombies. Um, and that's delightful. Yep. It's a roguelike. So generally means you replay it again and again. Any progress you make is lost after you die, but you gain resources that let you kind of buy things to take into the game with you once you restart. Um, and the, the whole goal is to kill the mayor because he's a bad, bad man. And then you become the mayor and then it all starts over again. And if you take a character all the way through and finish your big quest, which is the little things you have to do on each level for that's particular to each character, it unlocks more abilities if you wanna play through with that guy again. It's fun and it is one of those rare games where you play co-op, but you can also play local co-op. So you can sit next to somebody on the couch and play this game. It's ridiculously silly. There's a character who can, their special ability is to run through walls. The doctor's special ability is to chloroform people and knock them out. It's There's zombies, there's cannibals, there's vampires. I just named my three favorite things to play. <laughs> oh, yeah. Listening to Megan munch on bodies while you're trying to, trying to hack that computer is uh, heartwarming. The best. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Meg and I would like to say you're welcome. And to all of those listeners who have the opportunity to pick up Streets of Rogue, you're also welcome. It's it's available yeah. on Game Pass currently, if you have yes. that. Otherwise, I think it's not a particularly expensive game. And it yeah, is, I think it's, it's like a fun $16 friend play. It is, yeah. Indeed. And it's one that you don't have to invest like a lot of time into. Like you can play it and then, yeah, play it once, play it a bunch of times. Yeah. Yeah, Excellent. Um, I, I do want to say uh, um, here at the end, I want to say congratulations to two of our listeners who got married, um, Amanda and Chris. Congratulations, married in Yay. Houston. I hear you had an adorable flower girl named Sneha. Um, so congratulations. Mm -hmm. And thank congratulations. you for being listeners. Oh, we mm -hmm. love you mm -hmm. and your extended family. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Well, uh, if you have anything you would like to say to us about anything in particular, you can hit us up on our social medias. Megan is very, very good at um, promoting and watching those. So yeah, I'm sure sometimes. I don't even have to tell you what they are. You probably already know from all the times yeah, that she's mentioned them. Yeah. Bad Movies Rock podcast at Gmail if you want to get in contact with us that way and Bad Movies Rock on Twitter. So, yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Um, and uh, Laurel, it's been amazing to have you here. And yes. uh, goodbye, everyone. Um, good well, evening. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna wrap it up like like I did on mm -hmm. episode 13. Yeah. I'd like to say, rock around the clock tonight. You're just gonna use the same one. You I insult me look, twice. I didn't look up a new one. I was actually with just the about same to and then we're closing one. up, so I didn't want to. Oh my! I, have, I actually. I have my Google back. rock quotes, and I'm about to look it up, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll just use the one from last time. So you're just, now you're torturing me and being lazy about it. I just wanted to make sure that it connected to the one we did uh, 87 episodes ago. The fact that we listened to this, we watched the same movie. <laughs> I wanted to like the connection true to the, yeah, the no, I wanted to ring true to the movie. fans who would really feel it if I didn't use the same exact quote. I'm so mad at you right now. 
Yay! <laughs> the volume of my voice is inverse to my anger. <laughs> yes, I know. It's very upsetting to me. Have right. a great weekend this year, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> you too, Amber. <laughs> Bye, Laurel. Bye, Amber. Bye.